0: Welcome back to an episode of the N10 Puck Talk Podcast with myself and Joe here with you. After round one, round two starts right in, I think, like an hour or so between the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, that is the round two matchup. We thought it was going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it's not. We'll go back to the first round series and recap most of those, but we'll start with the one that I just mentioned the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously losing 4 3 to the Tampa Bay Lightning in game seven once again in their franchise for I believe it's the sixth straight year they've lost in the final game of the series um I assume you watched a game we weren't with together but I assume you did uh your thoughts on what happened
1: like the whole narrative coming out of the this whole series is like they played better which and like it feels different which is true but the result is the same So, like, yes, they were competitive, and they didn't have their – they didn't fold like they did last year versus Montreal. They didn't fold like they did versus Columbus in game five or whatever. So, it was different in that sense, but it is still the same result. Like, all the big guys came to play the whole series, I would say. Like, Tavares, Nylander, not till like, like game five, I would say, for both of them. But, like, you got great production of all your big guys, and, like – the only kind of issue in the whole series was that their power play was awful. So they finished first in the entire league in power play at like 35%. And then in the series against Tampa Bay, they had plenty of opportunities, especially in the game seven, no matter how many times they'll say the, they were screwed of calls in game six and seven. They had two or three chances in game seven and they went zero four. So then like there was a stat where it was like they were 0 for like 8 or 9 and like power plays in the last two or three game sevens uh, that the Leafs had. So they've gotten chances. They just can't – they don't have that killer instinct still. And that was repeated again today at their, you know, locker clean press conference. It was the exact same shit they said last year, and which was much more embarrassing last year. I think something has to give here. You, you can't go in the same – you can't just keep saying, okay, we'll trust these guys because they haven't repaid your favor. Who knows how good of a year they'll have next year. Mm-hmm. They don't even know who's in net next year. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I don't know if we're going to have another 60 goals, another 100 points for Matthews, 65 points for Bunting, 80 for Nylander. Like, everyone had career years this year, and you still lost in the first round. So I don't know what else you could do. Like, I don't know if it will be better next year. I, I don't think so um but that's just kind of my view on it like yes they did play better and like some calls they did kind of get screwed but I don't know like you have to kind of try to I don't know like overcome it somehow
0: yeah no I agree um that's what Ray said on overtime yesterday I don't know if you copied word for word what he said but like that's what he said like how many perfect seasons are you gonna have next year compared to what you have this year this was one of the best seasons the Toronto Maple Leafs have had in franchise history and it's not even close like it's i don't think it actually is the best but it's one of the best um in terms of remember their start they were awful to start Then they hit a run, they hit like a run of like 18 games with a point or something it was crazy and you get all the way to may and it's the same result as last year obviously not as embarrassing like you said joe but it's still the same result um this team doesn't get the benefit of the doubt anymore i don't think and they shouldn't doesn't deserve they don't deserve that oh, you got beat by a Stanley Cup champion. Well, unfortunately in this league, you need to beat, beat the best to be the best. Exactly. And it's the case of where like, you see the Edmontoners are in round two. They have guys like Tyson Berry, Cody Chechi, and Zach Heimer on their team. Guys who play with the Toronto Maple Leafs got embarrassed year after year on the Toronto Maple Leafs. It doesn't matter if you're playing the LA Kings, you're still gonna have to play a hard team the next round in the Panthers. And then the next round, the Carolina Hurricanes. And then you get to the Stanley Cup final, and what do you have? Colorado Avalanche or the Calgary Flames, which are the two favorites in that um, in that conference. So it doesn't matter who you're playing. You need to win at least a round or two to, you know, get this monkey off your back. And we talked about how we've talked about this team compared to the Washington Capitals and how they kept the core around for many, many years. And then obviously they won in 2018, but it's a different story because they haven't won around the Leafs. it, you can't really put those two teams together. Now, I get where they're coming from, the people who say that, but they've won rounds, and they have they ran into the same team that just had their number in the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's not like you're running into the same team. There's there's three or four different teams they've run into, and it's the same result. So yeah, it's not just a matter of, all oh, that team has your number. It's just closing it out in that last game, and I don't know what – like, I do, I, I've i thought about it um, after the game seven and what went wrong with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know if you know what went wrong or you do you have a pinpoint orga- like or thing about this organization that went wrong or do you not have words to say?
1: I don't, like, as of this point, for me, it's all, like, mental, like, it, like, it, like, the killer instinct, like they keep saying is missing. Like, that's where I think it is because, again, like, they were up 3-2 going to tampa they didn't yeah. close same thing with left last year in montreal they're up 3-2 mm-hmm. then you have game 7 at home you fought all year to get home ice because against tampa they knew they were playing tampa i would say probably like with 3 to 4 weeks left in the season yeah. that that was 99% the matchup so you worked all that way you played so well against the top teams all year for the most part to get that home ice and then like you just you only scored one goal again or, or zero goals like they did versus Columbus. Like, it just, I don't know what it is. Like, mm-hmm. their t- I thought they would do it this year. Like, they felt different. Everyone took a step. They're much better defensively. They're, they just felt different. Mm-hmm. You could say that, too. Like, I honestly was like, I'm like, I don't know what you do, to be <laughs> honest. But you have to still, like, and I get what they're trying to say, like, in the press conference. Like, oh, why make a change for the sake of making a change? Well, you need to do something. You can't have the same goddamn team again. Uh, going back because, like, the as it, like the press conference this year, like, th- it's like no one f- was accountable for anything. It was kind of like, oh well, like
0: we'll just it we, back.
1: Yeah, like we still trust these guys. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is the NHL. This is not like you know oh we made progress because we played more competitive like what is that like
0: no it's, yeah it's bad and excuse. their window
1: is not big at all anymore they have two years left with Matthews and Nylander under contract who knows if Nylander will get traded I don't want to talk about that um but Matthews like the thing with him like I, like Arizona like that's just horse shit like no but other teams Arizona. other teams yeah will. it's other teams that mm-hmm. that will be all over him and like the thing with like his contract, like I was listening to like the Chris Johnson show and I yeah. didn't know this. So obviously like a year before you're eligible for a contract extension. So like next July, 2023 right. he's eligible to sign like, say for example, they lose in the first round again or like whatever he has a no trade club move that last year. So if he doesn't resign, so he doesn't resign that summer, he could walk in free agency and they, they won't get anything for him. Yeah. I didn't know that. So the window is now extremely small with essentially next year being that you have to do it next year.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if you're a betting man and you're like, <laughs> are the Toronto Maple Leafs going to win the Stanley Cup in two years? You're not taking that bet. No. So <laughs> there's your answer.
1: Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, I don't know. And like the, the question mark, that, it's huge because like they yep. kind of talked about like Campbell I didn't listen to the whole press conference. They're just right. I listened to the radio what they said after. Hmm. And they're like, they basically didn't really confirm, like, yeah, Campbell's a hundred percent back. So then who's in net? Like that you need a goalie in the playoffs to yeah. go anywhere. And mm-hmm. Campbell was great for both for both uh series versus Montreal and Tampa. So he wasn't a problem at all. No. It's just like uh, they don't have enough money. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and there's we talked to us on BLP this morning. There's no other option in free agency. The only other guy is Darcy Kemper, but I believe he's already working on an extension, according to some little insiders on Twitter. But even if you do sign him, it's probably the money you're giving Campbell, uh, which
1: yeah, if not more.
0: just seems like a relay pass, like just to another goalie because you don't like the other goalie, even though their goalie and Jack Campbell is giving you pretty good numbers. Like it wasn't outstanding versus Tampa, but he made the saves he was supposed to right and um but I, I think I do know what the problem was and it may be not be the whole problem there's other things like you said Joe mentally and players and closing out that game but I like I, I realized this after game seven and it was the depth of the Tron Maple Leafs and yeah. that's what I said the difference was going to be in this series you're going up against Tampa with four lines that can roll the Leafs they have four lines but they in and out spurts of goals and stuff. And I want to tell you something. I I found this up. I I thought about it and then I actually researched it. The Toronto Maple Leafs only had two goals from their depth and their bottom six in this series at five on five, two. You could count David. You don't count David Kemp's shorthanded goal. You don't count Kerfoot's shorthanded goal. And I'm not counting Ilya Mikheyev's two empty net goals in game three, which was the same game. They only had their two even strength depth goals. And I'm not counting defensemen either, because that's not depth. That's defense. So they only had two goals from their depth in 5-on-5, which was a bit concerning. And it's not the reason they lost, but you need more depth scoring, especially because what you saw on the other end of the ice, Nick Paul getting two goals for the Tampa Lightning Game 7, which is depth. And that's the depth they paid for.
1: Exactly. Uh, And, like, like, again, the thing with – that is like, like last year versus Montreal, like their depth was like the one scoring the goals. So it was like the reverse. Of this year, where last year was like, like Nylander and like Kerfoot and like Spezza had like yeah. three goals. Like their yeah. depth that came through last year. And like this year, like you said, like Kerfoot was awful. Like 95% of the series took a lot of stupid penalties and like that giveaway in game six, Yeah, uh, that dumb pass. Like, and the thing is, like, you say depth, like, you had Mikheyev and, like, Engvall scored, like, Mikheyev's hit 20. I don't know how many Engvall had, but, like, those that's guys are RFA, like, in UFA mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, they're not, I don't think they're coming back. Like, no. Mikheyev probably priced himself out, to be honest, and then Engvall, like, do you really want him back? Like, he's a guy that's six four, six five. that doesn't hit, like, yeah, mm. that baffles my mind. Um. Yep. but yeah like the depth was an issue and like i think the fourth line's an issue too there was absolutely zero identity throughout the series yeah you had the you guys you started with the rough and tough like blackwell simmons clifford clifford gets suspended immediately then simmons like does absolutely f a all.
0: yeah
1: take some dumb penalties then you throw spezza in there and then you have like kasha in there halfway through the series like there was, like, kind of, like, no, like, Tampa has, like you said, Tampa. Tampa has an identity line, like.
0: They didn't move anyone Perry, in and out.
1: Yeah, like, for example, Perry wasn't there last year, but he's someone that plays that, like, they're a big, with him, Maroon, Belmar, big, heavy, cycle down low, like, that's their fourth line identity. And then the third line, like, you have guys mm-hmm. like Ross Colton stepping up, Brandon Hagel drawing a lot of penalties in the series and scoring. I only think he scored one, and then you said Nick Paul in the like game seven, of course, so I think depth was an issue considering that Kucherov was like a shell of him for himself. Like Point only had two goals, basically destroyed his groin and who knows what's up with him. He's obviously not playing tonight versus Mm -hmm. Florida for the whole third, for the whole game, basically of game seven for the second and third period. Like, and then Stankos had like, what, two goals, maybe So like, it's just like. Tampa wasn't like at their best and they still lost. That's probably like the thing that, that hurts the most is what yeah. I would say.
0: Yeah. It's very alarming to hear that you're the better team and you still found a way to lose. And yeah. Tom to kind of defend the Leafs and saying they didn't find a way to lose. They got beat.
1: No, but I don't think, I, I don't see it that way. Yeah. I don't Tampa see it that was way. Very either. beatable. Yeah. But we, I, I, I said it all series. Like they just look slow. Like game one, they looked awful. Then like, they like just at certain points, it's like they had like carelessness in front of their net or like giveaways or like they just look slow. Like you could yep. tell it's not the same.
0: No, but unfortunately, it's the same story for the Toronto Maple beliefs. I have not witnessed a second round in my life and they probably will never because next year, Joe, like they're versing Florida, they're versing Tampa round one. Like yeah. it's the same thing. We're going back mm-hmm. to the same teams because. I will bet you money the Toronto Maple Leafs will get one, two, or three in the division, and who does that mean you're playing? Your own division, <laughs> like yeah. it's going to be the same thing next year. So we'll keep tabs on the off season and see what they do. Because um, I'm not as pissy as last year because that was embarrassing. Like I'll care yeah. a bit more in what they do in the off season, but until then, the Leafs are put to bed until we can. They have a news thing come out about them, so we'll yeah. move on. Uh, we'll go to the rangers and pittsburgh series that was crazy uh to think that we talked about louis demingue spicy pork out battling Shisterkin, and then after those that, that recording it was the complete opposite
1: Yep. Yeah. oh my god what a fall from grace, spicy pork had, man yeah um this series is just all about the rangers luck and like you'll agree with me on this too um if you look at just advanced metrics, not even eye test, advanced metrics, they dominated the Rangers like every aspect of the game except for Annette. And that's because they had their third string, barely NHL goalie, against the Vezna winner slash Hart nominated goalie in And That was the difference. Yeah. And they were up 3 uh, 1. The Ming was playing well but the games five and six, he was absolutely awful. And was the reason they lost both those games. Um, you could say Pittsburgh blue leads, but like some of the goals that they let in were, were not great. And then they give Shosturkin making like 40 to 45, 50 saves a game. He had 80 saves in that game one overtime, triple OT. Um, and then in game seven, Yari was basically forced to come back. He was not yeah. healthy. Crosby he yeah. got knocked out in game five. He didn't play game six. Like, Dumlin was out, uh, Raquel was out a few games, or most of the series. Like, everything just went the Rangers' way, and they Mm -hmm. barely, barely won. So, I mean, kudos to them. They came back from 3-1. Like, like Kreider and Zibinijad really stepped up in the last three games, I would think, like, that line in general. But it sucks for Pittsburgh, man. They got screwed again by by goaltending, kind of.
0: Yeah, and it's a tough situation for Yari to go in. Like, you know he's not 100%. It's a move of desperation uh, from the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's how I saw it uh, because mm-hmm. he's injured and yeah. Crosby was probably unhealthy. Raquel was probably unhealthy. It's the injury bug in Pittsburgh. I don't know why it's so imminent there, but there's something wrong there. I don't know. Um, I really wanted to see Pittsburgh at least get far in these playoffs because obviously we know the situation that's happening with them the off season. Are they going to resign their guys? I don't know. So uh, it's t- t- tough for pittsburgh as well i really wanted to see sid you know chase another cup but
1: yeah it was kind of like their last ride it seems like
0: uh you can introduce the next series we didn't talk about
1: yep so this one was hurricanes versus bruins and i called this the home series because yeah. the home team won every single game yeah. carolina obviously started at home went up two nothing dominated it looked like it was going to be a sweep then Boston rallied back 1-2 at home, Carolina won game 5 at home, Boston won game 6 at home, and Carolina uh edged out Boston like by I think it was 3-2 in game 7 at home and, and free agent acquisition another one just like Tampa Max Domi scored his first two playoff goals as well and two goals and an assist in that game scored factored down on all three goals and that's how that's, that was the difference in the game because Pasternak scored really late so it was 3-2 yeah, And the Bruins bow out after, you know, putting up a good effort, coming back down 0-2. Um, McAvoy was out for one of those games, I think, from COVID. And, like, maybe he was still feeling the effects of COVID. Um, but the thing with the Bruins is, like, there's a huge, huge question mark about their captain, Patrice Bergeron. Now, we'll mention it a bit later, but he basically had the best defensive season of his career. And that's, that's saying something and his future is up in the air it's not even more so about playing in boston it's about playing hockey in general like he there's a potential that he might retire which i don't think is likely in my opinion but if he was like considering that like he's still like a, near the top of his game like defensively still a pretty good offensive player at like 36 it would be a tough pill to swallow if that was his swan song going out like that and he still like has game left in his in his system.
0: Yeah, who who's saying this? Is this the media, you know, hyping this up, or did he? Actually I think the hit Boston
1: media. Like, I think because I think that they had the 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 locker cleanout. And he basically said it's Boston and nowhere else. But he's like, I have to consider. He basically said what Spezza said today. Where it's like it's like I'm only playing in Boston, nowhere else. But like, I have to like consider things essentially, hmm. which like I don't know what that means.
0: Yeah, that'd be a big, tough pill to swallow for the Bruins. I would safely assume, and I think you'd probably agree with me, that if he left, it's locking the doors on a very big team like that, right? Yeah. Because they don't really have any prospects to, you know, hyping up the playoff contention race, right?
1: I think they would have to, I don't know, tear it down because they're not as old as they used to be, but I think they would have to do like a reset kind of thing. Because they saw Pasternak there, Marchand is thirty-four now. Like, mm-hmm. what do you do with him? Uh, McAvoy's young. Like, they have like, they're not like an old team like they were two to three years ago. Like when <laughs> they had Chara and yeah. Rask and like all that. But like, they may need to do like a reset maybe, and like some older veteran guys maybe. Like, do you trade like a Charlie Coyle? Like, I don't know what you'd have to do because like down the middle they'd be did be screwed. Yeah. So. I don't know what they do there. And like you said, they have like no good – their drafting has been horrific for the that's, most part. Like yeah. They've had two or three picks that hit in the last, what, six years maybe?
0: Maybe even longer.
1: <laughs> it's been pretty bad.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep tabs on that for sure because that's a big one for even just Canadian hockey and stuff like that because – Yeah. You could talk about Hall of Fame when you say uh, Patrice Bergeron's name for sure. So, I don't want to see him go.
1: No, no, definitely not.
0: Uh, the next series, Panthers beat the Capitals in six games, first series win since 1996. We mentioned that last week. Uh, we mentioned it when things weren't going good for the Panthers when they were struggling against the Washington Capitals. I think that's the word you could use in this series. They were struggled uh, at times. Yeah. Versus the Washington Capitals, which was it's not a good sign for me seeing that, especially with the goaltending uh, tandem they had in Washington. and lackluster of goal scoring in Wash, and even though they scored quite a bit of goals uh, against the Florida Panthers, but they got it done. They won, I believe, two games in overtime in the last two out of three games in that series. They went to overtime and won those. So yep. Carter Verhage was an awesome part, but I don't think he can be the best player for the Florida Panthers, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and, like, you nailed it. Like, you, they really struggled because they were down 2-1. We, we, I remember we recorded the episode where they won in overtime the night before. Yeah. So, like, like, I'll reiterate it. They were down 2-1 with, like, two minutes left in the third. They would have been down 3-1 in this series going back to Florida. I don't know if they would have came back from that. Um, But they rallied. And, like you said, Varhegi was a huge part in, like, all the, the goal scoring. Giroux played well as well. But one yeah. thing that I didn't even notice this, but I was listening to the Chris Johnson show again, and they said, like, florida's power play was zero percent in the series that's crazy and it was like second or third in the league all year so again another team that they won though but that's another thing like if you're tampa do you are you afraid that that might explode on you after a a long fought game seven series with the Leafs? like Mm -hmm. that's the only thing i would be concerned about is like if that power play starts clicking but yeah, they were kind of unimpressive the whole series, but hey, at least they they got it done. They finally ended that that awful streak of <laughs> the whole first round series for twenty six years. So.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. pretty funny, but we'll see them in round two tonight versus Tampa Lightning. That should be an awesome series. Oh yeah, um, I don't think you could subscribe or describe this series as awesome because I felt like the Minnesota Wild just didn't show up at all in this series, and that's the Blues and Wild series blues mm-hmm. are moving on they're versing the Colorado Avalanche um it was just Kuroka Presov and that's it uh I yeah. I was really not impressed from the Minnesota Wild.
1: oh they were awful like their penalty kill got torched like absolutely torched like I think St. Louis's power play was like 50-ish percent in the series like yeah. and then, like it was like O'Reilly Perron Shen Tarasenko hat trick like they were getting destroyed defensively and like, I kind of, we kind of previewed it and saying like, who's going to start in that? Well, Flurry started five out of the six games and like he let in like five goals, almost every game, obviously they won. I think they won two, but I think like, like you said, it was Caprasov scoring every single goal for the wild. So it was like such a weird series. Like you said, they didn't show up at all. Like I was very disappointed. I thought it was going to be a very tight series, like game seven. But like the games that St. Louis won, they scored like five goals in every game. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, and like game six, I think it was, was it in St. Louis or it might have been, St. Louis. Have been in Minnesota? Okay. So then no, that's sorry. even. No, St. Was, Louis. Was it? it was in St. Louis. Okay. Yeah. So that game five, I think I'm thinking game five, game five at Minnesota, they like an egg at home and then mm-hmm. they just play the same way in game six. Like, it was a very disappointing series. I thought it was going to be a great series. I watched like the first two, three games of it and then. Was like blow up, blow up, blow up. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Uh the blues look good. They have a one to four lines. The defense is not great, but it showed up <laughs> versus yeah. Minnesota and goaltending. Both Philly Husso and Jordan Bennington actually showed up. And we didn't think that was gonna be a factor because Philly on entering his first year in the playoffs. And Jordan Bennington, we know what he's been up to the last two years. So blues got it done. They're going on around round two. Another team who we speculated their goalies and this whole series, both goalies were off and on, on and on Oilers and the uh, Los Angeles Kings. That went to seven games. McDavid absolute beast. Oilers moving on.
1: Yeah. Like, like you said, this is like the battle of the old goalies. People said it was like a rematch of the 2012 Western conference Finals. (laughs) So over a decade, a decade ago, these guys went at it quick and Mike Smith. So once 40, once 36 for God's sake. Um, But, yeah, like, there was times where Quick looked absolutely awful in the series and times when he looked unbeatable. And, like, he looked unbeatable for game six and seven. Edmonton were all over the Kings. And, like, Quick stood on his head as best as he could. Uh, They only lost 2-0 in game seven because McDavid scored one of the best effort goals I think I've ever seen. Yeah. He just wouldn't be denied. Like, it was was cool to watch. Um, But, like you said, like, Mike Smith for the most part honestly played really well in the series. Like he had I think he had two shutouts. So like he played well overall. Um, but like I don't know. Like now we're gonna now they're gonna be playing the, the Battle of Alberta. The Calgary Flames, who just peppered a goalie there. So I don't know how that's gonna go that series, but just staying on Edmonton, like one thing of them that that you have to be worried about is that I think Dry has a high ankle sprain. He did not look himself in game seven. Good for him for getting out there and doing the best he could out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's a huge blow for the Oilers if he's not 100%. Um, So I don't know how far they'll actually go, but I think the series in general with with the Kings was something that the, you know, the Kings had two guys that that would shut them down and McDavid just said no and powered through them.
0: Yep. The Calgary Flames got it done finally. We've seen a second round berth for the first time, obviously, since I believe 2015, but before that was a very long time, the cup final and then 1991. So Russo, our friend, was excited about the Flames going on in round two. Now they will have to play Mike Smith, which is a drop down from what they faced in Jake Conjure, like you said, Joe. Um, I just, uh, there's a small feeling to me, we'll get to our predictions, but there's a little small feeling that the other team might win this series. But Calgary, they you know they stuck to a game plan they got the goal scoring when they needed to score but the dallas stars did a pretty good job job of shutting some players down in some games and obviously that helps with the goaltending they didn't really let any goals but you know i credit to them they had a good game plan but also credit to the flames because they broke their game plan multiple times in the series and then obviously the ot winner but we talked about this on blp if control doesn't score that goal it's we're talking about jake ottinger being a con Smythe you know, maybe even finalists, even if he moves on to round two. So honestly, yeah, like it's crazy what could have happened in that game. Are we seeing a blow up, blow up of a team in Calgary, or are we seeing a team going around two with another chance at maybe sticking around with the score uh, for a while. So it's really due to, uh, two different storylines we saw that ended up being in the Calgary side, but we could get into our predictions for round two and we'll go with the series that we're talking about right now the oilers and the calgary flames so with me i have the oilers on seven i know calgary's good calgary's a better team better defense but there's one guy on the other team conor mcdavid that might make the difference of the series and if you put the oilers on the power play you're basically asking for them to score in your net uh, calgary has a pretty good penalty kill they also have their best penalty killer and jacob markstrom in the net but it may not be enough for that cow Cal- uh, that oilers power play which is really really good so don't know if Leon Dreissel 100%. That might affect my winner of this series a lot because that he's one of those guys who's going to drive offense for the Oilers. But I'm going with a small feeling here, the Edmonton Oilers in seven games.
1: All right, now I'm going to do the exact opposite and pick the Calgary Flames in seven games. Um, like you said, Calgary on paper is probably the better team overall, like structure-wise and all that. But like you said, McDavid's a huge X factor, just him taking over a series like he did versus the Kings. Um, like I said, the dry saddle injury concerns me. Um, and then like, just looking at the Calgary Dallas series, like is Mike Smith making 50 saves a night? I don't think so. And like the, the amount and like high quality saves that Odinger make, like it was literally like the, one of the best seven game performances you'll ever see from any goalie, like in history, like even just eye test the shot attempts, like Goal save above expected. Like, they were... He had, like, 14 goals saved above expected in the series, which is mm-hmm. messed up. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know if Mike Smith can can handle that. Like he played well <laughs> versus the Kings, but it was also, like, the Kings are, were not really known going in that they were going to outscore the Oilers. It was going to be more like, can Kopitar and Dano shut down McDavid Dreisaitl. Um. That was, like, most of the game plan going in, I would think. Calgary... Like, I like, I don't know if Edmonton can contain Calgary's top line like Dallas did because Dallas just has a, a team and game plan built of just playing super boring hockey. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Edmonton comes away with this series because they have the best player in the league on their team. And, and uh, I'm still going to stick with the Flames in seven, though, just because yeah. of the goaltending mismatch.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely very much agree with those statements. Mm-hmm. Small feeling, though, in my system. Uh, the Avalanche versus the Blues. Now, this one, I think, might be a lot closer than people think because, you know, the Avs have been off for a couple of weeks, but I don't think that factors in much. I do still have the Avalanche in six games over the Blues. I just think it might be a really tight series. We've seen what the Blues can do. Um, they have four lines that really roll. It's the defense that may be the toss and turn factor in this series where the Avalanche may expose that. And like the Edmond Toilers, you cannot put the Avalanche on the power play like the St. Louis Blues, apparently you can't put them on the power play either because they've been lightning hot as well. So I'll take the Avalanche and six because I believe this team is destined for a cup. And it's the best team they've probably assembled. And they're playing very well without those little mistakes. But like you said, Joe, on the predictions for round one, it's what they do in this round is going to matter the most.
1: Yeah. And I also have Avalanche and six. But like I said, their season starts right now because we all knew they were gonna win round one versus Nashville, whether Saros was in that or not. And he wasn't, and they absolutely embarrassed Nashville, except for one game. But like I said, like I have them in six. I think St. Louis is like you said, they're gonna give them a, a good fight just because their offense has been like they have a really deep team. Like yeah. if you look at it, like they have O'Reilly, Shen, Perron, Teresenko, Kairu, Robert Thomas, Barbashev. Um, like they got like six to seven like great forwards there that could cause some problems. And like you said, like the power play was amazing versus the Wild. I don't know if it was just the Wild's penalty kill was awful, but mm-hmm. th- this is the Avalanche's year because next year, like McCarr's contract kicks in, I think they have to sign Kemper. Um, like nice. Kaji's Ka- Ka- gonna walk. Burkowski's probably gonna walk. So their team's going to potentially look pretty different next year. Not definitely, like you said, the strongest team they've had in a long, long time. Probably since they won the Cup in 01, mm-hmm. to be honest. So I have them winning in six. Like, they have to win this year. I think they have the most pressure left in the playoffs by far.
0: I'd agree. Uh, we'll go to the Hurricanes and Rangers now. Now, this one might be a bit close because is Igor Shesterkin going to show up for this one? And he might have to, because this is going to be a pretty good series, in my opinion. The Hurricanes, went the distance, versus the Bruins, they showed signs of good hockey and really bad hockey. And that's the thing the Pittsburgh Penguins showed against the Rangers, really good hockey and really bad hockey. And we're seeing that. We could see a bit of both in the series from both sides. But I will take the Hurricanes in seven games, going the distance, this team they're good. They're very good. They got to prove that they're good now and go to another conference finals, which they've made to, I believe, a couple of years ago versus the Bruins. This is the best chance, man. They got to go. They got to do this. And if Freddie Anderson is back in the pipes, healthy to go, why not? Right.
1: Yeah, I also have the Hurricanes winning this year. But I actually have them in six games. If, <laughs> like, even if Schuster can play super well, like, like you said, Carolina did have some blunders versus Boston, but the way that the Penguins dominated play versus the Rangers, like, I don't know how much longer that could last. Like, how how much longer can Schuster can keep up making these amazing saves and the number of saves he has to make? Like, that's, that's where my concern is going to come from. Like, Carolina could be really good. Like, the problem I have with Carolina is, like, sometimes they're inconsistent. Sometimes they look unbelievable, like they did in games one and two versus Boston, and then they look terrible in games three and four. So, like, if they have that type of performance, then it could be a lot closer. But I just think if even if Anderson doesn't come back, like, Ranta is better than Louis DeVayne. Yeah. So, like, the, they already have, like, they're already playing a better goalie, the Rangers are, than they did last round. So, I think for that edge, like, again, another goaltending kind of situation. But obviously, they have the advantage in that the Rangers do, obviously. I'm just more so saying, like, I, is Lou is ranting gonna let in these awful goals that Louie was the yeah. reason why it went seven games. I don't know.
0: All right. Then the Battle of Florida we got. So we got two battles in this playoffs, which is gonna be awesome to watch. Uh Lightning versus Panthers. This one could be a tight one like last year. I don't know if we're gonna see like I we're gonna see glimpses of that, but <laughs> I don't know if these two can do that again. Like that was nuts what we saw last year, but Lightning Panthers is the series. I got the Tampa Lightning in six. I know brandon Point's doubtful for game one. You might be even doubtful for the goddamn series. But I, I, this Tampa team, it's just you never can count them out clearly uh, because a lot of Leaf fans, including myself at times, are just like, you know, Tampa looks tired. They're not looking good. Game seven, they turn it on and uh, nail it ahead. And they just, Hedman was playing good. Vasiliski was playing good. Their coach. Ran an awesome uh, planning structure for what they did against the Leafs and shutting them down. I think they could do the same thing versus the Panthers. Now, if the Panthers want to win this series, but has got to be even better than he was in the first round. Um, their depth has to show up. Their star players have to show up. And like like Joe, you said zero percent of the power play that's got to show up. Like it's <laughs> you can't do that versus the Lightning. You'll get killed.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think again, I don't I don't feel good about this pick. I have Panthers in seven, but the point injury and like him being like out for game one and like potentially the series is a huge factor for me. Cause he's like one of their best playoff performers, like forwards at the very least. Like mm-hmm. Kucherov just doesn't look the same. Like he's probably dealing with something. And then you have like, they just, they looked like you said, they look slow versus the Leafs at times. I think it I might be fatigued catching up. Obviously they got it done in the game set when they had to, but I don't know. Like if Florida really wants to like establish themselves, they have to beat Tampa. Yeah. And they have to get that power play going. Because five on five, it might be a wash, to be honest. It might be like pretty similar. Uh again I don't feel good about betting against Tampa because I just did it last round. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I think I think they just looked too tired I think that game seven took a lot out of them to close versus the Leafs like that third period they that was like the definition of like championship like yeah putting everything on the line blocking every single shot like winning the puck battles and stuff like that so I think they're just gas and I have Florida in seven
0: all right that's our predictions for round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs now we have some quick news for you uh, out in Vegas, there seems to be a lot of news out of there because there's a lot of news out of there. Uh, they fired head coach Peter DeBoer after, was it three or two seasons from him?
1: I think it was like halfway through the 1920, last year and this year. So like two, it was kind of like Keith. Like whatever Keith's time frame has been, has been DeBoer
0: yeah. or similar. Yeah, something like that. So he's out. Um, they have a vacancy in the coaching staff. And I believe we hit on one of the hot takes that was proposed by you. It was Peter DeBoer will be fired from the Knights. I said yes. And I also did a double pack with Kelly McKerman. Like that doesn't look like it's the case, but you know, stranger things happen in the offseason. Maybe they wait till then and, you know, let this news kind of settle for a bit, but a uh, good move or bad move for the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: Like in hindsight, like if you just look at it where it's like how many injuries they actually had this year and like, it was a ton. Like, you can't even, like, that. that's a legitimate excuse because they missed the playoffs by f- a few points. But it was more so, like, it is the right choice because, like, near the end of the season, like, that whole, like, saga with Robin Leonard was, like, so, like, bizarre. Like, he was hurt. He wasn't hurt. He was playing. Yeah. He got pulled when they were winning or something. Like, it was so weird. And, like, the thing that I kind of noticed about DeBoer is that he has he's kind of, like, torts where he has a short sh- shelf life. And like he gives you a jolt in the arm, which he did back to back years with Vegas, two conference finals appearances, um in the bubble, and then last year was Montreal. But like it's sometimes like I think like I don't know, like their power play was awful. And that's not mm-hmm. all on him, that's the assistant coaches as well. But with the amount of talent they had, like near the end of the season still to like they couldn't get it done. The power play, I think uh, they needed a they needed a change there. And like we kind of mentioned it last week. Trotts is available. Will Vegas go big game hunting and coaching again?
0: We'll,
1: <laughs> we'll see because they fired their whole coaching staff as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's worth noting uh, for, for sure about the Vegas Golden Knights. They weren't effing around this uh, this coming for their coaching. But I just felt it was a bit short of a leash. But obviously, the stuff that came about Robin Leonard and him saying was healthy, it probably was going on around the team uh, with other players. Like, that's probably not something that's under wraps it's probably out there from the vegas golden knights mm-hmm. um so yeah peter Dewarzo, he's could he could be a good coach head coach for a team that's looking for some playoff success um if they want to get rid of their coach they have now or need a new voice in their locker room i don't think he's a bad head coach necessarily he's obviously has a pedigree of winning uh it's just you know it just didn't work out in vegas uh, for those two and a half years he spent there
1: yeah so that's the coach firing there and then there was some. Uh, there were some other nominations for the other awards. So we talked about the Vesna and the Norris last week. So now we have the Bill Masterton, the Selkie, the Hart. And I think that's it for now. And the that's Ted Lindsay. Now, yeah. yeah. I think that Ted Lindsay was announced. And the Ted, so we'll start with the the Bill Masterton. So that's like perseverance through and like playing hockey through perseverance through a personal matter. So those nominees this year were uh, Kevin Hayes of the Philadelphia Flyers, Carey Price of Montreal, and Zdeno Chara on the Islanders. I mean, two of them are very self-explanatory. Uh, Kevin Hayes, obviously, his brother Jimmy died just before the season started. They they, they were extremely close. Obviously, Jimmy played in the league, um, and it was like a it was such a terrible way for him to go out. He was a lot of close with a lot of guys in the league. Um, and obviously, he played this year. Uh, Flyers didn't have the best year, but you know it takes a lot to play after uh, an incident like that. Then with Carey Price, right before the season starts, he admits himself into rehab. Yeah. Uh, I think for alcoholism, um, he then he had knee surgery that he had to rehab from. So he was out for he entered rehab right before the season did basically didn't was out all year long played the final five games five six games of the regular season for Montreal uh got his first and only win of the season in the last game Uh, a lot of personal stuff there and then with Chara I don't even really know that's just because he's old I think got nominated um he's 45 years old which is incredible that he's still playing um but I think it was just more so like his dedication to just continuing to play at a, a defensive level
0: yeah the level he plays at, which is a really gritty style that you don't all want to go in the corner with him but it's yeah. always hard talking about this award because it's who has the better story like who has the better sad story i guess it's in yeah. some cases but some cases it's really just the dedication to hockey and stuff like that but usually most of the time it's who has the sadder story which is not something i like to pick and you know, I don't think I don't think we're allowed to predict who's gonna win this, but yeah. Um th- everyone basically who gets nominated because there's about uh, there's 32 people who get nominated, just the best three, I guess. Um, that obviously get the three nomination spots. But yeah, you talked about the awards that were getting released. Uh, the other one Selkie nomination, Bergeron Barkov, Elias Lindholm, was announced this morning. Um, you said Bergeron had his best offensive season, so I'll go with him. I guess as the front runner for this, but could we see Alexander Barkov go back to back
1: uh we could because he had a really good offensive year like he had a better offensive year than Bergeron and was still really good defensively um but i think it's Bergeron's to lose like he had his best offensive season um he's he's 36 years old like I think at this point, like they, when once whenever he decides to retire, they have to rename the award. Please, after him we've,
0: we've been asking N Ten for a while.
1: <laughs> because he's been nominated a record eleven times, so he got, he's been nominated eleven times. That's the most someone's been a, a nominated for any trophy. Any that all a trophy since since Gretzky was nominated for the Hart ten times in his career. <laughs> so Bergeron was nominated eleven times for the Selkie. If that doesn't make you change it. I don't know what will. And Gretzky needs to get his name on a trophy too at some point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Crazy from Bergeron what we're seeing. Well, you don't know his future yet, but sad to see him go if he does. But if you're gonna go, you're gonna go winning that trophy that you basically owned. So we'll yeah. see what happens with Bergeron. Um I believe the heart we t- did we talk about the heart last year or last week and then Ted really Lynch came remember. out well, anyways, I, it's most of the same players. Um, I think the Ted Lindsay was Matthews, McDavid, Yossi. I could be wrong, but I'm yeah, you're, sure right, you're right. Those are the three guys. Um, so pretty big company for McDavid and Matthews being nominated for the two awards that are basically called the MVP. One voted by the players, one by one voted for by like um, journalists, analysts, that sort of stuff in the NHLPA. Um, this one is. Just the what they think the best players in the league. Now, multiple times I said I think it's going to be McDavid's trophy, but I think McDavid lost out last year, two years ago, and it was side who got it, right? Yeah. So I could be wrong again, but I don't know if we see Matthews sweep with these two awards.
1: I don't know if he'll. I think Matthews can win the heart. I don't know if he'll win the Ted Lindsay because I don't know if everyone in the league thinks Matthews is the best player in the league. Sure, yeah. So I could see McDavid winning the Ted Lindsay, and then Matthews winning the heart. Like, that's what what, what my vote would be. Well, I'm not a player, so I can't vote <laughs> for the Ted Lindsay. But if I were to vote for the heart, I'd vote Matthews because 60 goals is 60 goals. It hasn't happened in 10 years. Um, and he didn't even play 82 games, could add more. So I think just based on that and, like, he's just a beast, uh, I would give him the heart. And then McDavid, like, I would think the players would still say he's overall. Like, not overall, but, like, the best player in the league, like just from a defending standpoint, is probably
0: him. Yeah, Uh it would be very weird and be so NHL for the NHL to announce that Roman Josi has won the Ted Lindsay, but doesn't win the Norris. <laughs> Can I imagine that? That'd be
1: quite odd and incorrect. That would be. But crazy. so NHL. Yes,
0: yeah, so NHL. But I, I mean, that, does that really? Make him the Norris Trophy winner, I guess, because he's the only defenseman nominated from Ted Lindsay.
1: I don't, I don't know. Like it could be a serious question. We both said Makar should win it. But I don't
0: know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think
1: ninety six points is like too hard to ignore. So I think they had <laughs> to put him in there, like because that's absurd. Like we've never seen that in their lives. So yeah. I think that's why they had to do it.
0: And not to mention the fact he's really good at playing defense as well. So yeah, um, those are the award nominees. I don't know what's left from the NHL to announce uh, the nominees for. I don't think it's is it. No, no.
1: I think like the Jack Adams Executive of the Year and stuff like that. That's right. Like the Mark Messi Leadership Award and all that.
0: Yeah. So not the ones we're sort of catering to and really you know dive on when we're talking about predictions, but. Award season is just around the corner, I believe it's during the Stanley Cup final conference final to get announced. So um, Montreal won the draft lottery that was minutes after we finished our recording from last week. Um, So obviously your thoughts.
1: Uh, I'm pumped, but I was so worried that New Jersey was right there to get it. I was like, I was gonna rage if they won again. <laughs> they kept like, crawling, they went, dude. They did. They went from fifth to the top three. Then Arizona got third. And I'm like, no fucking way. Like <laughs> no. Like no. Yeah. And then Montreal got it. So I'm happy they got it. Uh, they're gonna get a great player in Shane Wright. I don't know how much of a like a dominating player he'll be in the NHL. I don't know because COVID kind of like this draft year, COVID like took a a big year of development away from this draft class. So I'm going to chalk it up to that because like it's not like he had like 120 points in the OHL and he's seen as like the consensus first. Like he is seen as the consensus first. He's not like a Matthews or a McDavid type. Like Bedard is the next closest thing to that right now and that's in 2023. Um, but I, I can't complain about getting first overall. I, I can't. <laughs> no, yeah, no. You I'm happy. Come. I'm really happy about it. And I'm like 99% sure right will be selected.
0: Yeah, probably. So I believe the order is um, the Montreal Canes, New Jersey Devils, and the Arizona Coyotes. So I, I thought yeah. I was convinced Seattle was going to get this, but obviously they didn't end up getting it. They moved back, uh, I believe, two spots <laughs> or three yeah, spots. Yeah, I think, one I think so ron francis did not look happy <laughs> no, and lou didn't look happy when his island just stayed put at his level so yeah um, that's it for this episode unless you have anything to add
1: no just let the second round begin we got amazing matchups yeah. in the second round some of the best i can remember
0: yeah i i really really agree so we'll we'll chat about this midway through the series or maybe after round uh two ends but definitely for sure agree in that statement and tent will be back next week. Join us then.
1: Woo!